0: our president sat down with the Associated Press, saying, what are you gonna do in six and a half years with a normal, boring person here? I don't know, dance in the streets? Yes, please.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Oh. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off
0: my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. To the left me, joke us to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in From the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR in New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. We've got some Arkansas news today. In Seattle on KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, and Workforce Rising. Oh, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around totally swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today, as we are now, oh, a week and a half, less than a week and a half, I think, from Election Day. But elections are already underway for this year's midterms all around the country. And we've got news on that. Lots of it, as usual, coming up shortly. Also coming up shortly, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Yep. Not coming up short, but coming up shortly. (laughs) Because you come up with plenty in today's Green News Report. Yes,
1: it is jam-packed.
0: Way more really important news uh, than we have time for in six minutes. But you do, uh, as usual, a hell of a job. Some big stories. And some big hurricanes, unfortunately, in today's Green News Report. Um, so, we have learned about uh, more bombs sent to opponents of Donald Trump's since yesterday's broadcast. Uh, These are actually people who Trump has been demonizing for years now who have been targeted. Some nine different Democrats and or perceived opponents of his have now been targeted with 10 different devices. If my numbers are up to date at this point, that following um, the attempted uh, pipe bomb terror attacks this week, Earlier against uh, former President Obama, Hillary Clinton, former CIA director John Brennan, former Attorney General Eric Holder, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, and CNN. So uh, since we were last on the air with you, um, a second explosive device was discovered to have been sent to Maxine Waters at her office out here in Los Angeles. And on uh, Thursday, bombs were also found to have been sent to former Vice President Joe Biden and another one to actor Robert De Niro, who had the temerity to criticize the president and uh, in turn be attacked by the president of the United States on Twitter and elsewhere in response. So he gets a bomb, too, apparently. Uh, Thankfully, none of these bombs went off. Investigators uh, are now... um, saying that the devices appear to, uh, at least they're all reporting now, the media is all reporting that officials are looking at the state of Florida as where these bombs originally came from. Uh, and, of course, after about 30 seconds of Trump calling for unity on Wednesday, despite years of unprecedented vitriol and violent rhetoric Against his perceived opponents, including the American media, Trump called for unity for about 10 seconds and then quickly began blaming others, specifically the media, for those uh, for the attempted attacks by what would seem to be um, one or more supporters of his after some obligatory Condemnation of the attempted pipe bomb attacks, writes Kate Riga over at TPM. President Donald Trump and his administration have coalesced behind the idea that the widespread anger turned violence is the media's fault. Trump unleashed his opening salvo at a campaign rally in Wisconsin on Wednesday night, saying that the media must, quote, stop the endless hostility and constant negativity. And oftentimes, false attacks and stories. Those comments came mere hours after an explosive device was discovered to have been sent to CNN in Manhattan. But Donald Trump thought it was the right time to talk about the endless hostility and constant negativity coming from the media. Not from him, mind you, but from the media. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders then fell into line attacking Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN, who Trump has repeatedly described as the enemy of the people and as evil, evil people over there at CNN and in the media. But Jeff Zucker was attacked by the White House Press Secretary for criticizing The White House response to these bombings. Huckabee Sanders accused Zucker of choosing to, quote, attack and divide Americans. Terrible, isn't it? Hmm. They would never do that. They would know the White House. This White House would never attack and divide Americans. He's
1: a uniter, not a divider. Wrong president. Yeah, Yeah, other guy.
0: Mm. Uh, So Zucker's actual statement, he did not attack and divide. His actual statement, in case you haven't heard it, was this. Quote, there is a total and complete lack of understanding at the White House about the seriousness of their continued attacks on the media. The president and especially the White House press secretary should understand their words matter. Thus far, they have shown no comprehension of that. That was Jeff Zucker apparently uh, attacking and dividing Americans. And of course, by Thursday morning, Trump was continuing the same line on his uh, on his Twitter account, even as new explosive devices were being discovered. He tweeted, quote, a very big part of the anger we see today in our society is caused by the purposely false and inaccurate reporting of the mainstream media that I refer to as fake news. It has gotten so bad and hateful, he wrote, that it is beyond description. Mainstream media must clean up its act fast, he said, in all caps. Is that a threat, Mr. President? The uh, completely predictable right wing conspiracy theories uh, were then bumped up to 11 by today with the right already convincing themselves that these that these were fake bombs reported by the fake news. That the entire thing, I guess, is a Democratic deep state conspiracy to make the president and Republicans look bad before the election. I mean, in normal times, one would think that uh, the American people would rally to the side of uh, someone trying to make the president look bad. Uh, So I guess that's what they're claiming. I don't even understand, uh, frankly. Uh, As Vox.com's David Roberts observed in a tweet thread on this today, he said, You know what? I'm old enough to remember back in the 90s and early aughts when it took the right wing whole days to collectively convince itself of something absurd, like, oh, the Clintons had Vince Foster killed. He wrote it would start on fringe sites and forwarded emails and then work its way up the ecosystem, eventually getting big enough in conservative media that cons would start could start then asking, why isn't the MSM covering this? And then legitimate news would dutifully go and, quote, cover the controversy, the controversy about this controversy that it was completely made up in the first place by these right wingers. He writes, once it was then a controversy that basically gave everyone in the base permission to believe it. It was, after all, their side in a legitimate controversy that was, you know, being reported by the corporate media. That's how it worked. He said he's seen it dozens of times with the so-called Climategate conspiracy, Fast and Furious, and other pseudo-scandals. I would add uh, Acorn committing voter fraud and smuggling in child prostitutes.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And yes, even today, immigrant hordes coming to the United States in George Soros and Democratic Party-funded caravans to invade the U.S. and vote in our upcoming midterm elections. By the way, the so-called legitimate media... Um, who are covering that phony crisis at the border, shame on you. Just shame on you. Uh, I mean, and by the way, that's just about all of them who have been covering the caravans. The caravans are coming.
1: I know. And, you know, they're not at the border. They're about a thousand miles away, at least hundreds of miles away. They're nowhere near the border. This is not a national security issue. This is a non-story, except the media makes it one.
0: The media, not just the right-wing media, right? The entire corporate media has been covering the caravan. until this, until these bombs showed up. They've been covering the caravan day in, day out. Caravans, caravans, uh, like we are under siege. And, of course, that's what the president would like them to believe. In fact, uh, the defense uh, secretary sent 800 troops to the borders, to the border today to to stop this assault. Uh, And the media plays into it as usual. Anyway, back to the conspiracy theories, Uh, Dr. Vox said, you knew it was inevitable that the right wing would convince itself the bombs are fake. That's what they need to believe to advance their tribal interests. And so that's where they'd end up. But what's remarkable, he says, is that not even 24 hours passed. They needed to believe the bombs were fake. So they just did. Anyway, I suspect we'll find out uh, soon enough who done it. Though when we do, if it is a right winger uh, who supports Trump, the right will immediately explain how he was just a patsy. He couldn't have possibly done it. And here's why. Mark that down. Mark that prediction down. That's (laughs) what I say is going to happen. Uh, Anyway, in the meantime, in actual news that really could mean life or death for this country, midterm early voting is underway in about 30 states. And the fight to vote and to have that vote counted accurately and in a way that we can know it's been counted accurately, that fight continues No matter how much coverage it gets, yes, there are some of us still fighting that good fight. Uh, We will be joined momentarily by someone who has uh, been fighting that fight for a long time. She's now a candidate uh, and a longtime election integrity champion in Illinois. She'll be here to discuss a number of problems in a key jurisdiction outside of Chicago. Uh, But first, uh, a bit more on the story that we've been following in Georgia. Yes, where else? Where the GOP seems to be throwing everything they have against the wall to try to win this year, no matter how many voters they keep from voting. Uh, so a bit more on, uh, on on part of that story that broke just before airtime yesterday uh, in a ruling on Wednesday by U.S. District Judge Lee Martin May, Georgia election officials may not throw out absentee ballots on the basis of signature match, a victory uh, for voting rights in a state that has become ground zero this year for voter suppression. And by the way, Georgia is not the only state who uh, uses so-called signature mismatch to discard uh, to discard absentee ballots at, at at the whim of people who are not trained to do this. Uh, under Georgia law, the signatures on voters absentee ballots must match the signatures on their voter registration cards and election officials who are often partisan election officials not trained in handwriting analysis it's left to them to compare the two signatures on the ballot envelope and on the, uh, the, the the voters registration file, which may have they may have registered years ago. And if those partisan election officials determine there's a mismatch, they can nullify the ballot. Now, the state often notifies voters of the problems, but not until days or weeks after the election, at which point, obviously, it is too uh, late to cure their ballots by casting a new vote. Anyway, a federal judge in Georgia says that now must stop. That, according to the ruling by Judge May, who issued emergency relief, requiring any voter flagged for having a potential signature mismatch to be provided notice and opportunity to challenge that determination and an opportunity to cure it. Well, there's an idea. And by the way, this does not even need to happen by Election Day so long as, you know, I mean, if these ballots were cast prior to Election Day but the voters were only notified about it uh, late in the game, there's no reason they can't come by a few days after the election and say, yeah, that was me, that was my ballot, that was my signature. The ACLU, one of several parties suing Georgia and its Secretary of State and gubernatorial candidate Brian Kemp, argued that the law does not require election officials to receive any training at all in handwriting analysis or signature comparison, and no statute or regulation provides any standards to distinguish the natural variations of one writer from other variations uh, that, you know, suggest there was two different writers somehow. State officials, however, in trying to defend themselves, and this was kind of amazing in this case, they incredibly argued that there is no federal constitutional right to vote by absentee ballot, which is true. But therefore, that meant there is no procedural due process protections for voters who choose to vote by absentee ballot. The only protections those voters get are the ones that the state of Georgia confers on them uh, regarding the right to vote by absentee ballot. Uh, Does that do you understand what they're saying? They're saying that because the U.S. Constitution doesn't require that we let anybody vote by absentee ballot, therefore, when we do, It's up to us which ones we decide to let go through and which ones don't. In other words, there may be no proper due process here, but too bad. They're admitting. Too bad.
1: We don't care. Whatever we say goes.
0: Whatever we say, voters are lucky. They're lucky that we're allowing them to try and vote by absentee at all. So we don't have to offer any due process. This was the actual argument that they made. Happily, The judge disagreed. Uh, She said, quote, having created an absentee voter regime through which qualified voters can exercise their fundamental right to vote, the state must now provide absentee voters with constitutionally adequate due process protections. They can't just throw out votes and not tell you. But that's what they tried to do. Uh, Kristen Clark of the uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law responded to the ruling, said the court's order helps ensure that thousands of voters who stood the risk of being disenfranchised will have their voices heard. She called it an important ruling that sends a strong message to election officials across Georgia that they will be held accountable for undertaking action that impairs the rights of voters. So uh, this is good, and I think it will also send a signal around the country to other jurisdictions who may try to do the same thing. Uh, The plaintiffs here are also requesting that similar fair process be devised, uh, devised to provide relief for thousands of voters being disenfranchised by other types of small and inconsequential errors on their ballot return envelope. We talked about uh, Tennessee. We talked with the uh, chair of one of the uh, uh, large counties, the uh, uh, Shelby County, Memphis, Tennessee, yesterday about a similar scheme being pulled off by Republicans there uh, when they're applying, when they registered to vote, but they didn't check the box that said whether they were a Mr. or Mrs., and for that, their registrations are being rejected and they are not being notified in a timely manner to cure the problem. So this is going on all over the place. And I say it you know, over and over again, but it needs to be said, because I guess I'm one of the few who are willing to say it over and over again. But it really should not be this hard to vote in this country. And it wouldn't be. Uh, but for some that want it to be this difficult Namely, Republican Party officials like Brian Kemp, who is overseeing his own election for governor while serving as the state's chief election official in a race against an African-American candidate, Democratic candidate Stacey Abrams. So uh, anyway, uh, like I say, it's it's not all happening in Georgia, um, but. We still have more problems in Georgia. I mentioned uh, yesterday one of the complaints coming out of Georgia, like clockwork, that votes were being cast on their 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting machines in early voting are now reportedly flipping attempted votes in the governor's race from Abrams to Kemp on the touchscreen machines.
1: Multiple times. Voters trying multiple times yep. to get it to stick, and when they finally go to vote and they check their ballot one more time, they notice, oh, it flipped back. So, yes, check your ballot and recheck it and check it maybe two or Before three more times. Before you hit
0: that uh, yes. cast ballot button. According to uh, the uh, Georgia NAACP last night, uh, that group, the NAACP of Georgia, has now filed a uh, complaints with State Board of Elections officials for possible suppression tactics regarding these malfunctions of these touchscreen machines. Boy, who could have seen this coming, huh? Uh, The the, uh, Georgia NAACP uh, has received complaints, they say, from several voters on touchscreen irregularities when attempting to select Abrams as their choice for governors. The machines instead select Kemp. In other instances, machines showed ballots being cast before any uh, person actually voted. That's weird. Uh, they have filed complaints in at least four counties in Georgia over this. But remember, these machines are used across the entire state. These uh, 17-year-old D-bold touchscreen machines that have failed in one election after another have been hacked years ago. Uh, easily, easily hacked. Um, as we reported, the very first hack of such a system on this show when we helped get one of these machines, the exact ones they're still using in Georgia, to the uh, computer scientists at Princeton who were able to hack them in about 30 seconds. And so now this happens every year, although it does happen more often to Democrats than it does to Republicans, uh, who also see votes flipping on touchscreens from Republican candidates to Democrats. I don't personally suspect that it is due to hacking, largely because it is a really dumb way to hack an election on these systems, on a touchscreen system. Why let the voters see that you're flipping their vote? Just do it inside the machine. They will never know. I have to point that out, too, every uh, year. So this is probably not hacking. This is most likely malfunction. But it's malfunction that we have known about for years that happens year after year on systems that are easily hacked and it is a problem no matter what's going on here it is a problem if voters don't notice that their vote has been changed for any reason even if it's just because these crappy touchscreen systems do this every election and every jurisdiction nonetheless in Georgia keeps forcing voters to use them in early voting and at the polls but you know what who knows if it's it's hacking or not but that's the problem we can't know Of course, that's just one of the problems with computerized voting and tabulation. Let's take a quick break and talk about a few more that are happening around the country. Yes, even not in Georgia, in Arkansas, in Illinois, as Americans fight like hell to somehow become the representative democracy that we've been telling ourselves and the world that we are, that we have been for so long. Anyway, uh, yes. Problems outside Chicago. Once again, we'll talk about that and much more after this quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and Bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by Bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. Sweet home Chicago or just outside of it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, while the fights continue over who can vote less than two weeks away from Election Day, even as people are already early voting in about 30 states and absentee mail-in voting in, I think, all of them, Concerns continue about the security of the nation's voting machines and the ability to for the public to oversee results. Yes, on both 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen systems, but also computer tallied paper ballot systems. And as we frequently see at this point in elections, There are problems with the ballot programming itself on both type of computer voting and tabulation systems. In other words, we have problems with who is actually on the computer programmed ballots, which may or may not have been programmed accurately in the first place. Remember, these systems are programmed by human beings, often partisan officials, and sometimes private voting system contractors who either make mistakes or who may have reason to misprogram the systems uh, on purpose in the first place. Either one is a problem for voters, at least if the problems ever actually get discovered. One such example this week in Arkansas, according to AP, a Democrat running for secretary of state in Arkansas, was left off of the county's ballot as early voting began on Monday, prompting officials to temporarily shutter polling sites as they scrambled to try and fix the problem. Early voting sites in Garland County, Arkansas, were temporarily closed on Monday after complaints that Susan Inman, the Democrat running for secretary of state, was not listed on the touchscreen ballot. Before the problem was actually discovered, 222 ballots with Inman's name had been cast. I should say without Inman's name had been cast. The sites reopened after her name was added to those systems. She says that's 222 votes I may not have gotten. And every vote counts, she says. We're hopeful this has not been a situation in any other county. She's running against Republican State Land Commissioner John Thurston to become the state's chief election official this year. Inman and the Garland County Election Commission both noted that there is no recourse for those voters who already cast a ballot without the name on it. A spokesman for the current secretary of state's office said it had not heard of similar problems in other counties. Well, that's good. The Arkansas Democratic Party filed a complaint with the state Board of Election Commissioners over the ballot mistakes and the site's temporary closures this week. County Election Commission Chair Gene Haley said that the problem occurred when officials had to re enter every candidate's name after some of the contests were not printing correctly. Whatever that means. Haley said the county's absentee ballots, however, included Inman's name. Well, that's nice. I guess they better hope one of those candidates for secretary of state in Arkansas wins by more than 222 votes. What could possibly go wrong there? Meanwhile, in Illinois, DuPage County Election Commission officials were scrambling earlier this week to deliver paper ballots to early voting sites for dozens of precincts. In the 41st House District, after the precincts were excluded from some electronic 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting machines as used during early voting in Chicago's major GOP leaning suburban county, officials said the 81 precincts were not programmed into the machines because of uncertainty about whether state representative candidate Valerie Montgomery would keep her name on the ballot. A recent court ruling found that Montgomery, a Democrat, doesn't live in the 41st House District, though that's not what she was told when she initially filed to become a candidate, told uh, by the county. So Montgomery, the Democrat who had run unopposed in the primary election earlier this year, was given until this past Monday the same day that early voting began at uh, 11 DuPage early voting locations, she had only until Monday to decide if she was staying in her race at all against the Republican incumbent, Grant Worley. To avoid a situation where they might have to modify the touchscreen machines, election commission officials decided that early votes in that 41st House district, which covers some but not all of DuPage County, had to be done on paper ballots, which sounds like a good thing to me, except for those voters who may have voted before paper ballots were supplied to the other early voting sites around the county, where, yes, voters are allowed to vote as well, even if they're voters in the 41st House District. As a result, the initial plan was was to require as many as 55,000 registered voters to only use two early voting sites that would be equipped with those paper ballots. But that prompted confusion among would-be voters unaware of the situation who wished to vote at one of the other early voting sites around the country, and there were complaints from at least one campaign in the bargain. It seems like it's always something in DuPage County. Every two years... We're back at DuPage County, Illinois, with some problem or another. Joining us now to discuss, yes, yet another problem in DuPage County, Illinois, as she has been covering and fighting against for years, is Jean Kaczmarek. She's formerly a member of the Illinois Ballot Integrity Project and a very longtime government watchdog and election integrity champion in DuPage County, Illinois, I say she is formerly a member of that uh, ballot integrity project because she is now a Democratic candidate for county clerk in DuPage County, Illinois. Jean Kesmerick, welcome back to the broadcast. Hi there, Brad. Always good to have you here. All right, uh, lots to cover in a short time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in this case of that Democratic state house candidate who was left off the touchscreen machines in early voting in all but two early voting sites initially, it sounds like there were a number of screw-ups by the DuPage Election Commission, which I know has been uh, great friends of yours over the years. Why was there a question about whether she lived in the 41st District at all, and then who made this decision, and why to put her only on paper ballots at those two voting locations? Well, it's
2: unclear how that mistake was ever made in the first place. Let me t- start there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, last year uh, she thought, and, and, and other voters in that area thought that they belonged to one district and were told that they they lived there and, and, and that they should vote in a certain uh, polling place.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And she filed her papers as a candidate in The district where she resided Mm -hmm. and uh, there was no problem when she filed the papers allegedly and then at about uh, the primary time she was told oh no oops uh, you can't be a candidate because you don't live in the district and so some type of complaint was uh, made Mm -hmm. and they switched her back into the original district and said that things were okay and so she continued to campaign and then was told in September that no uh, you should not have been there in the first place so you are now off the ballot. And
0: in September, now she ran, I think the primaries were back in May, am I remembering that March. correct? In Mar- March. Um, mm-hmm. She uh, she ran after what Robert Sanchez at the Daryl, da- Daily Herald said was a coding error, I believe, by the uh, DuPage County Election Commission that gave her that wrong information. But she ran unopposed. She got the Democratic nomination. So now is she even on the ballot at all? And does if not, does that mean that the Republican uh, incumbent wins the seat because nobody is running against them
2: now? I've been trying to find that out, and it's amazing, but I can't find out that information, whether or not she's on the ballot or not. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, No, that's okay. You're not the only one who is confused by this here. Uh, And then the DuPage County Election Commission, their solution was to say, well, since we don't know, we don't want to muck up the other ballots, we'll only put her on paper ballots at these two locations. That seems like that was a disastrous decision as well, as I'm reading this.
2: They did react very quickly, and they got the pe- the paper ballots out. And now it's my understanding that the paper ballots are now at all of the early voting locations, so that anyone from that district can vote early at any of the locations around DuPage. <laughs> the thing that's troubling to me is that they are not treated the same way as other voters all voters should be given the same options and should all have the equal opportunity and likewise There may be voters out there that are saying, you know, I'd like to vote on paper. How come these people can vote on paper and I can't? So it works both ways.
0: So they're forced in early voting in DuPage County to use those touchscreen, as I call them, 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems. But on Election Day, everyone votes on paper ballots that are uh, computer scanned, uh, as I understand it, on Election
2: Day? Most people are voting on paper on Election Day, but mm-hmm. each polling place is equipped with at least one touchscreen machine right. so that people with disabilities have that option. Or, And some people just want to vote electronically because it's there. But the uh, the paper ballots seem to move much more quickly, and that's what most people choose.
0: It seems like it's always something in DuPage, as I said. Yeah. Uh, last time we spoke with you on air, uh, I, as I recall, there were problems during the primaries in DuPage uh, back in March when the precinct-based optical scanners on election night were unable to print out results due to a supposed printing error in the so-called ender cards that are supposed to run through the machines to tell the computers that the election is over and that no more ballots are coming in, at least as I understand it. It, it, it. Did we ever figure out what went wrong back in the primary? And should this be a concern now about happening once again on November 6th, Jean?
2: Well, the Indercards were printed on too thick of stock. And because they were too thick, they couldn't go through the rollers on the scan machine. And an Indercard is basically just a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And so it just cannot be uh, more than a certain thickness, otherwise it won't go through. And those ender cards were never tested, and they were never uh, taken out of the precinct kits after the precinct kits were delivered. I think that they may have even been able to tell that there would be a problem just by uh, looking at it or holding it. They wouldn't even have to worry about testing it. They could immediately tell that uh, this is going to be a problem. And um, I can tell you with 100% certainty that the ender cards in DuPage County on Election Day are going to be working beautifully.
0: (laughs) You think they tested them this year?
2: I'm sure they did. (laughs) The one thing that they're going to get right. (laughs) the ender card <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got it. Uh, now by the way are are you still on the ballot and are are you sure <laughs> uh, you know have have you checked that at all of the uh, early voting locations Gene?
2: Well, no, I haven't checked, but no one has told me otherwise, so but I know I should not take anything
0: for granted. No, you shouldn't. It's a very Republican county. Uh, maybe uh, nobody bothered to uh, to notice. I, I Listen, I, I know you have been working hard, uh, even while running to become county clerk out there, to figure out where a whole bunch of these DuPage County voting and tabulation computers actually came from. After the county appears to have purchased a whole bunch of old machines from other counties. Now, this is a this is an issue across the country, uh, frankly. Um, so I wanted to get uh, just uh, to let you explain very quickly what's going on, because they won't give you and you're the running to become the county clerk out there. They won't give you the serial numbers for these old machines so that you could try to track down in some way at least where they came from, who they were purchased from, uh, w- what other elections they have been used in in other jurisdictions. Do I understand that correctly?
2: Yes, and this gets back to that EnderCard nightmare mm-hmm. in the primary. 167 voting machines that night were damaged because of the tooth thick of EnderCard that was being jammed through. And so the company, the vendor Liberty Systems, agreed in the settlement to either fix or replace mm-hmm. those machines. And I thought that was strange, because in the same breath, they said that we no longer have uh, we have a lack of confidence in Liberty Systems, and therefore we're ending our contracts with them. <laughs> but then they would say, and by the way, they are going to uh, fix... Or replace our machines. And so they repaired 57 machines and then 110 machines were replaced. And as it turns out, uh, Liberty Systems gave them a total of 118 machines. But I knew right away that those replacement machines could not possibly be brand new because they were supposed to be of like kind Mm -hmm. of what DuPage has. And DuPage's machines are the old AccuVote OptiScan machines, the old Diebold machines Mm -hmm. purchased in 2001. And so I asked for the serial numbers, and they would not give them to me because I wanted to be able to track them. I wanted to find out where they had come from and, uh, who, who would and not, how old. They,
0: uh, who, who would not give them to you, the county the or commi- Liberty Systems? The, du-
2: the DuPage Election Commission would okay. not provide me with the serial numbers, and it's very likely, I don't know for sure where Liberty got them, but it's likely that they had these old machines because they were trade-ins from counties downstate Mm -hmm. cast off from these counties when they purchase new machines from Liberty
0: and and to be clear, so Liberty is the contractor here. They're uh, using these old Diebold machines to run this contract, but they won't tell you where they came from. And this is, I've heard, uh, as a problem not just in DuPage, as I said, but many jurisdictions, counties and states around the country who are now picking up these old equipment that's been discarded from elsewhere. I know Wisconsin does it as well, among other states. But what are the concerns about b- these old machines? If uh, Liberty has guaranteed that they're going to work, why should we be concerned about that?
2: I'm concerned mostly because of the the, the lack of a chain of custody. At least the, the old machines that are in DuPage County have been uh, stored here and have been maintained here. Yes, I do have issues with those machines, but we do have that. They were purchased brand new in 2001 but these other machines we have no idea where they've been and who's maintained them how much mileage they have Mm -hmm. and i'm concerned that there might be problems on these machines perhaps a virus i I i can't even say but here we are again. We have no transparency and accountability, and we're told to trust the results.
0: <laughs> yes, everything's fine. Just trust the results, and we won't even let you oversee. Apparently, we won't tell you the the serial numbers for these machines that are now public property. Uh, one of the uh, I know we were talking about this uh, off air uh, earlier, and one of the problems that I recall from just a few weeks or a few months back at this point. Uh, was from the DEF CON Hackers Conference in in Las Vegas this year, where they once again had their uh, vote hacking village, and they buy a bunch of old uh, 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 computer uh, voting and tabulation systems. They pick them up from eBay and elsewhere, and I know a lot of the counties and states are doing exactly that when they need replacements. And on at least one of these machines, uh, the hackers were able to find... Chinese pop songs and a Chinese audio player on a voting system for some reason that nobody can really explain. They don't know why it was there. They don't know where it came from. And those are the type of systems that I guess you're using now in DuPage. Who knows where they came from? Who knows what? malware, or I mean, I guess if only Chinese pop songs are on it, I guess we're okay, but who knows what else could be on those systems.
2: Right, and it's interesting that while I was waiting for the serial numbers Mm -hmm. from DuPage on these old machines, I made a Freedom of Information Act request with the Illinois State Board of Elections, and within one week, they sent me all of DuPage's voting machine serial numbers I think there were 1,578 sets Mm. of serial numbers. I do not believe that the Liberty Systems voting machines were in this list. I could be wrong, but I don't think that they were. And so the Illinois State Board of Elections has no problem handing over the serial numbers. Yet DuPage says that it's a security risk to do so.
0: (laughs) I can't even imagine what kind of security risk it would be. Uh, Gene, beyond all of these nightmares, very quickly, how is early voting otherwise going in DuPage County? Uh, It's a big and important county in Illinois. It's a very Republican one historically. Uh, Have you seen, has there been big turnout, long lines? Uh, Do you have concerns about uh, those long lines, if so, and what they may portend uh, for a worst nightmare come election day itself on November 6?
2: Well, I haven't heard any nightmare scenarios uh, other than what we first uh, talked about in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I have been told that the early voting is at the level of a presidential year. Mm. And uh, four years ago, it was 49 um, percent. And in the presidential year, uh, 2016, it was Roughly seventy-two percent. So we're right now seeing um, turnout at that level, mm. which is which is very exciting. And I, I I have to say this that I do believe that the DuPage County Election Commission is is working very hard, and I do think that the new director there is uh, organized and and um, professional and appears to be doing a lot of things very well, and, and I hope that things go very well for the elections in DuPage County and for her. Um, I do have issues with uh, some of the board members, and uh, but we won't go into that, but I do need to say that.
0: Well, no, I'm glad you did, because I know there have been a lot of problems there. You've been critical of the uh, commission over the years. I'm glad to hear that uh, maybe there's someone there who's doing a better job than they have in past years. Uh, You're running uh, to become the next county clerk in DuPage at a time, if I understand this, when the election commission is actually supposed to be merging soon with the county clerk's office. So... Uh, how's your campaign going? Is there any chance that uh, uh will, I don't know if that's how you say it, but uh, folks mm-hmm. in DuPage, uh, will elect a Democrat to become county clerk this year?
2: Well, there's a lot more energy, a lot more interest this time around than four years ago. So I'm, I'm very hopeful, Brad, that, that this time I will win.
0: And will it be? And, and am I right that they're combining the county clerk's office with the election commission? So then I can start blaming you for all of the problems in DuPage.
2: You could hold my feet to the fire starting in uh, 2019. Okay. Yes, that's true. It, it and it's some. It's an issue that I saw. Uh, Thirteen years ago when Mm -hmm. I became a watchdog, I started calling for the Election Commission to be returned to the county clerk's office, and I made that steady drumbeat over and over again, and finally this year it happened, and, uh, and I'm very excited about that.
0: And just to underscore this, uh, Jean has been uh, working tirelessly for at least as many years as I have been uh, doing this work myself at Bradblog.com and on the Bradcast. Uh, She's been doing it as a citizen, just taking the initiative to to be a a watchdog trying to hold the feet to the fire there out in uh, DuPage County. Now she's uh, and she's had a lot of successes over the years, including finally this upcoming merge between the uh, Election Commission and the county clerk. Now she's running as to become county clerk herself. We'll see how that goes on November 6th. But, Gene, uh, 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 we all have a lot to thank you for. And I wish you luck in the uh, in the county clerk's race in November. Folks can uh, find you uh, on the internets at Gene, that's J-E-A-N, the number 4, Gene4DupageCountyClerk.net, and on the Twitters at Gene, the number 4, Gene for DuPage. Gene, uh, thank you for all, and good luck in two weeks. Thank you, Brad. Okay, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyon and the Green News Report with a lot of, uh, frankly, really big news. That's straight ahead. Buckle up. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: I thought we needed uh, a little bit more punch today, Desi, (laughs) going going into the Green News Report.
1: Not enough punches yet, eh? Not
0: not enough. No, we need a little more, a little something uh, more than our usual melt with you, (laughs) Uh, given the, uh, I think, import of the news that you have in our latest Green News Report.
1: 180 mile per hour winds. Category 5 Super Typhoon U2 slams into Mariana Islands and other U.S. territories as the 2018 hurricane Hurricane season is now the most powerful ever recorded. It could open ExxonMobil up to further lawsuit. New York State sues ExxonMobil for defrauding investors about climate change. Plus,
0: we are the first generation that has known how to fix this problem, but we are the last. Generation that will actually be able to do something about it.
1: Canada places a price on pollution with a national carbon tax. All
0: of those really big stories and more straight ahead from BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: And I'm Desi Doyen.
0: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment.
1: That is true. There are scientists
0: on both sides. On one side, all the scientists. On the other, one guy who runs a blog called Real True American Science Eagle. Jesus. (laughs) This is your Green News Report Forecast rapture Okay, Desi Doyen, I think you got about three or four top stories to fit into today's report, so I'll just shut up.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, up first, Hurricane Willa made landfall on Mexico's Pacific coast as a powerful Category 3 on Tuesday. And then, Super Typhoon Yutu, one of the strongest cyclones in history, rapidly intensified into a Category 5 before slamming into the U.S. territory Mariana Islands on Wednesday.
0: With gusts up to two 220 miles per hour.
1: Yes, it was the strongest typhoon to pass near the U.S. territories of Saipan and Tenyon. Now, if it seems to you like we've had more major hurricanes than usual this year, you are right. In 2018, both the Atlantic and Pacific hurricane seasons are the most powerful ever recorded in the Accumulated Cyclone Energy Index, which measures the combined intensity and duration of all tropical storms and hurricanes that form in any given year, 2018 shattered the previous record set in 1992. One of those storms, Category 4 Hurricane Walaka, has obliterated a tiny island in the Hawaiian archipelago. Federal scientists confirmed this week that Walaka washed away 11-acre East Island this month, which was a critical habitat for endangered Hawaiian monk seals, sea turtles, and birds. Scientists called its loss a huge blow to conservation efforts.
0: Unfortunately, it's not the last of the islands that are likely to disappear.
1: Meanwhile, the U.S. Supreme Court this week handed a temporary victory to the Trump administration, issuing a temporary administrative stay on a landmark climate liability lawsuit brought by 21 young people against the federal government. In the lawsuit, 21 young people aged 22 and younger allege that the federal government has violated their constitutional rights by failing to act on man-made climate change and to protect their life, liberty, and property, since they and all of today's children will be forced to deal with the consequences of climate change for the rest of their lives. The trial had been scheduled to begin on Monday, and it's unclear if it will be allowed to proceed. But there is some good news. New York State Attorney General Barbara Underwood on Wednesday filed a lawsuit against oil giant ExxonMobil for deceiving investors by downplaying the expected financial risks of climate change.
0: Well, what took you so long?
1: The suit alleges that Exxon defrauded shareholders, deceiving them into believing the company was managing the risk that stricter emissions regulations might pose to its bottom line. In reality, Underwood says it was, quote, intentionally and systematically underestimating or ignoring those risks.
0: So they pretended first that climate change didn't exist, then they pretended that they got it taken care of, and the whole time they were lying to to investors about all of it.
1: Exactly. The Center for International Environmental Law called the suit, quote, a wake-up call for investors who continue to bet on fossil fuels and pretends a new wave of climate litigation.
0: This could cost ExxonMobil hundreds of millions of dollars, even billions of dollars, unless the Supreme Court
1: Finally, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau this week announced that his administration will implement a national carbon tax beginning next year to put a price on the pollution that causes dangerous global warming.
0: It is free
2: to pollute so we have too much pollution.
1: In a press conference, Trudeau listed the multiple billion-dollar extreme weather events, wildfires, and floods hitting Canada in recent years and called action on climate change a moral and economic imperative. And also...
0: It is common sense that if you put a price on something you don't want, pollution, people will pollute less. And if there are costs associated for average families, we will more than compensate those families for those costs.
1: Trudeau's new Climate Action Incentive Plan will return all carbon tax revenue directly to households to support families in making the transition away from fossil fuels. He says most families will get back more than they pay in higher energy costs.
0: First pot for the entire country and now a carbon tax. I am moving to Canada <laughs> for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today. Please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm
1: Desi Doyan. And
0: this has been your Green News Report. On take Off. Take off to the great white north.
1: Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take I love to the great Big yeah. north. Yeah okay
0: I won't head up to Canada just yet oh all right thank you very much uh, so uh, like I said huge news yeah. green news Report: hurricanes ExxonMobil sued with a major lawsuit for lying about climate change and the entire state of Canada
1: nation uh, of Canada
0: what did I say state. state nation of Canada gets a carbon tax yep. uh, but I was thinking of actually the state of Washington where a carbon tax is actually on the ballot. This year, yes. Hopefully, we'll talk about uh, that on our next thrilling broadcast with uh, with David Roberts. Lady, yes, David been, Roberts uh, of
1: Vox, the best energy and environment writer. Don't out promise
0: there. too much because things change. We might not get him here. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, uh, we will see. I, we got to get out. My thanks to our producer Desi Doyan, uh, to my guest today, Gene Kesmerick, formerly of the Illinois Ballot Integrity Project, now candidate for DuPage, Illinois County Clerk. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us, it is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other that we have ever done, you can download it for free at bradblog.com. Though, hey, do you enjoy listening to the Bradcast? Then please consider putting your money where your ears are by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Earlier this year, we said we're going to try like hell to stay on the air, at least through the election. We're almost there, but we could use your help to get there and to the nightmare that will surely come thereafter. Brad on Blog, November 7th. <laughs> yes, oh. yes, mark it down. bradblog.com slash donate. You can also drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, please find and follow us and share us there as well, if you don't mind, at uh, simply the Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.